Amen. Well, that last song is just powerful. And I would ask you, do you mean it? I mean, really, do you mean what that last song proclaimed? Do you mean what you said? We'll go where you want us to go. We'll step where you want us to step. We are yours. Do you mean that? See, we are in, I'm going to say, the second most exciting time in history, okay, since Jesus Christ ascended into heaven after being risen from the grave. Why do I say the second? Because the first was when the Holy Spirit came to bring power to this earth. He brought it to 120 people. We're going to talk about that today. So why is this the second? It's because what he has promised, and we've, we've gone over this several times, but what he has promised in John 14 has not happened yet. What he promised in John 14, that we would do more than he did when he was on the earth. We would do more and produce more fruit than what he did when he was on the earth. And he said, he said, the reason why is because I go to my father. And you have an advocate to the father. You have an ear to the father. And so when I'm there with you, you will do more. He was saying that to his disciples. But the interesting thing is they never did more. They did a lot. We're going to go through that as we go into Acts. But in all of history, if you, if you study church history, you study even the revivals, and you study even the more recent revivals. You know, in, in this past century, from Azusa all the way up to Toronto, never even came close to what Jesus did on the earth. So either he's a liar, or it hasn't happened yet. We know he's not a liar. We know what he is about to do is something extraordinary. I, I, I don't know if you, if you listen to prophetic buzz at all. If, if you listen around here, certainly. If you listen to other, other things online and churches, that sort of thing. You get the sense over and over and over again that there is a revival coming. How many, I, I'm going to ask, how many have not heard that? <laughs> Has anybody not heard that? Yeah, everybody's heard that. There's a revival coming. There's this amazing revival that is going to come, that is going to literally usher in the readiness of the bride. We live in an extraordinary time right now. E even technology is amazing right now. The capabilities that we have right now were not there even in the last major revival, which was birthed out of Toronto in 94. I mean, back then, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have, you know, all, all, the, all these, all these uh, uh, apps that we could use to instantly show the world what's going on. Right? We didn't have those things. We're in a different age now. Even though we're only some 20 years later. Or whatever. Is it 20 years? No, it's not even 20 years, right? No, yeah, 25 years. Okay. I actually did well with math. Just not in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, public school. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but what is going on now is the readying of the bride. That is what's going to bring this final revival. That's what's going to, to, to have this amazing time, this Revelation 3-9 time, where the world, who doesn't know Jesus Christ, the world will see the church and see God's favor on the church, and they will, the Bible says in Revelation 3-9, bow down to them. And that, that's, that's the literal Greek, is that they would pay homage to them, not in worship. Okay, but pay homage that, man, they got something going on that we don't have. Right? Does the world look at the church like that now? No, it doesn't. 
might look at some individuals like that. But see, that's what's coming. That's what's coming in this revival. And, and, and I love being in this time. That's why I say this is the second most exciting time in church history. The first being when the church began in the first place. You know, I, I welcome our online listeners. And we grow each week online. You guys may not even know that. We grow each week online. We're on Periscope. We're live on, on Facebook. And then we have our podcast on our website. And we have probably about triple what we have here that listens to us online. And, and it's extraordinary that that grows every week. You know, that is amazing technology. But what the Lord wants to do with it is literally have the church catch up to the world. Right? The world uses it in an amazing way. Satan uses it in amazing, sad ways. He wants the church to catch up. Now, I want to share with you just real... I wasn't going to do this, but... Well, clearly God is. Um, just share with you a brief vision. Because... What he said is he's doing something different. Now, we don't know what that means. When he says, I'm doing something different, that is code for saying, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> You're going to see, but it will be different. Whether it's something we expect or not, I don't know. Because certainly things could be prophesied. But it's something different. I know the, the vision that he has given to this church is different. He's given us seven places in the world to go to to plant a what, what he told me was a base. It wasn't that we just stay in those places. But these seven places in the world, Newark being one of them, we plant a base and we branch out. Ignition is to be all over the world. How in the world can you do that? How in the world can you, can you start from next to nothing, being in a living room, and, and grow to that kind of influence. Well, we've seen in a short time how part of that's possible. Do you know how many people actually listen to us and watch us over in Nigeria? It's crazy. And, and I'm not even counting them in the numbers, by the way. I mean, we, we are averaging 150 people. When we do the Jesus film twice a week, we're, we're having 150 people come to know the Lord a week in Nigeria. Okay, we're just in a living room here, right? And we're having influence over hundreds of people 5,000 miles away. Don't be surprised when God gives something for you to do that you think, how in the world are we supposed to do this? How in the world? How in the world are we supposed to go to seven places? Well, I'm saying God has a plan. And along with that plan is something else that he's promised us. Along with this revival, he's promised us the falling of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who don't know, we've, we've had it prophesied over this church many, many times. But we know revival is the falling of the Holy Spirit on a global scale. That's what the readying of the bride is. But he has promised that here. Uh, that's, that's why Hannah, I believe, when she was sh praying, or it might have been, I can't remember if it was during the prayer or when they were talking, that they said, we expect your father, it might have even been Jeff, I, I can't remember. They all sound the same to me. <laughs> I think it was Jeff. That we expect, Father, we stand here expectant of you expectant of your falling, not just expectant of church, how church just goes every week like we know it, like clockwork. Yep, by, by 12.45, I'm going to be chowing down. Man, I don't want to live like that. I don't know if you do. Hey, if you do, you're in the wrong church. Because that's not what God wants. What God wants is us to come here expecting him every day expecting him. Do you expect him on Sunday morning? Do you expect him on Tuesday night? Do you expect him every morning? 
When you wake up in the morning, do you expect him, and I don't mean just for him to come alongside you and go throughout your day. Do you expect the falling of the Holy Spirit on your life in so much power that we're going we're gonna to see here in a few minutes what that has to do with? Do you expect it? i got to tell you, I do. I do. I wake up every morning, and there's two things I do every morning. I say, Jesus, today, I give you my yes. I give you my yes, whatever you want to do. And secondly, I stand in agreement of your will today. Open my book, God. Open my book and read what your will was for me today. What your plan is for me today. I stand in agreement of that. I say it out loud so the enemy can hear me. Because he's not allowed to touch me. Do you, do you sit expectant every day? See, just because the Holy Spirit falls does not mean he falls on those who do not invite and those who do not expect. Right? He comes with open invitation. He never forces himself. Read throughout the Word of God that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never force himself into something that we do not say yes to. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't do things we don't know or understand. Because when I give him my yes, he might surprise me through the day. It's like, oh, Lord, I didn't expect that one. That's awesome. Thank you. So it's not that we know everything that's coming. We just give him our yes and, and say, yes, Lord, whatever you want. So we're, we're in the book of Acts, and we're, we're starting, we started last week with a little bit of introduction, you know, talked about how, how uh, Luke wrote the book of Luke, and then also wrote the book of Acts. He is the only Gentile to write in the New Testament, to write a book in the New Testament. I, I find that interesting because he brings a different perspective. It's a unique perspective than the other disciples. But I challenged you to do something this week, and, and I know even those online, I challenged you to do it. And by the way, we, again, I want to say this earlier, I'm so thankful for technology because there are so many people, even here local, that if they could be here, they would be here. Right? But they're sick, they're in bed. You know, we think of Carson, we think of Bryn that have to be home because he's in, he, he is in the bed and confined to that place in the mornings. You know, I, I think of Joe and Mineta. Alex and I are going to go visit Joe and Mineta a little later this afternoon. I, I think of them, and, and by the way, hello, because <laughs> I know they're watching. They are our family, whether they are here physically or not. And then there are many others that do not live here physically, but join us every week. And it's, it's just extraordinary what God does. But I, I encouraged you last week to read the book of Luke. If you had the opportunity, read the book of Luke, because Luke and Acts, it's kind of like a volume one and volume two. It's Jesus Christ's life and the beginning of the church. And to understand the book of Acts, you really need to go through and understand Luke's perspective on Jesus Christ. Now, remember, it, it, make sure you understand, it is Holy Spirit breathe. Okay, it's not just, hey, this is what I think of Jesus, and just Luke wrote it down. This is scripture, this is Holy Spirit breathe. But it came from a different perspective, which is important. And, and one of the things, if you haven't yet, Again, I want to encourage you to read the book of Luke this week. Look at it from the perspective of the disciples, not from the perspective of Jesus. Look at it from the perspective of the disciples. And then going into Acts, we're going to, we're going to understand a little bit more the reality of what's going on there. But I, I want you to turn first to Luke chapter 5. Because what we're getting into today is Pentecost. Now, Pentecost really, at that time, wasn't called Pentecost. It was called the Feast of Weeks. It was when, when uh, harvest, I believe, came to an end and that sort of thing. But, but we call it Pentecost 
because of what happened that day, which literally was the beginning of the church. Okay? But in order to understand from the disciples' perspective what was going on, we need to go back to Luke chapter 5. Verse 4 says this, and, and it, by the way, just set this up. This is before the disciples were called. Okay, Jesus had stepped in, asked, asked Peter, hey, can I borrow your boat? There's so many people here, I can't even preach to them on the shore. I need to get out a little bit. Can I step in your boat? So Peter takes him out a little bit away from the shore, and Jesus preaches. Okay, And I love this because Jesus always gives. So you can imagine in his mind, he's thinking, thank you for doing that for me. Let me just give back to you a little bit. He says, he says, go ahead and paddle out further. Get us out there further. Let's go to deep water and, and cast your net in and, and let's get some fish. All right? And, and the scripture will pick it up from there. Verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who is Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word... I will let down the nets. Now, by the way, he was not a disciple at this point. He was not following him at this point. But he had seen the baptism of Jesus Christ by John the Baptist. He had seen the declaration that he was at least a rabbi, at least something special. Now, did he believe at this point that he was the son of God? I, I don't think so. Okay, he was not following him yet. So Jesus is about to show them something amazing. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, which were James and John, by the way. Come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that the boats began to sink. Okay, that's a lot of fish. All right, these are not little rowboats. Okay, these are fishing boats that usually two to five men would be out there working on. So you can imagine to put enough fish in a boat like that for it to begin to sink is extraordinary, especially since they didn't even catch anything the night before. But let alone one, they filled up two, two boats. Huge. What, what's how, you can imagine, again, look at it through Peter's eyes, through Simon's eyes. He's like, what in the world? We come out here, boom, and we get all this. But what was Peter's reaction? But when Simon Peter saw it, verse 8, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, his partners, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. See, first of all, I want to point out, Simon just recognized, first of all, who Jesus was. He recognized immediately that he was sin in his presence. And he dropped to his knees and said, I'm unworthy to be with you. I'm unworthy for you to place this favor on my life. But yet Jesus did. So he fell to his knees and he said, I'm unworthy, Lord. Lord's response in verse 10, do not be afraid. Because I'm about to change your life. Remember all these fish we just got? I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, all this is happening out there when it first happened, but when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. It's important for you to understand the mind frame of the disciples at this point. As we read through right here, I wanted to point out, because we're going to get into their mind frame in the book of Acts. What was their mind frame? They recognized who he was. 
They recognized in contrast who they were. They took steps to gap that divide. Right? In forgiveness. But what did they do? Ultimately, they left him. They, they left the, what they were doing and followed him. They left. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even say that they got back to the land and they cashed in all the fish so they could get the money in the bank and get everything set. Thank you, Lord, and now we're going to follow you. This is quite possibly the biggest catch of their lives. Okay, this was their livelihood. This was money to them. This wasn't dinner for the night. This was probably money for months. And yet they left it on the shore. Said it right here. They, they got the boats to land and they left everything and followed him. I want to encourage you. I really, I, I can't say it enough. Go through this. And look from the perspective of the disciple. Why? Because we are right there. We're right there with the folly. If you believe what the Lord has said about the falling of the Holy Spirit coming, you have to understand we are right there. Tuesday night was unbelievable. For those of you who, who, who remember this and were there and, and recognize it, the, we did normal worship, then Wendy did prayer, but Wendy had the, the worship team come back up and do worship, and they did, I think, three more songs, or two and a half, if you want to call that one a song. The third one, the last one that we did, we're worshiping, and, I, and I'm, I'm sitting here, I can't even stand. I can't even stand, I'm, I'm just wrecked. And I've shared this before that, that I don't feel things a lot of times, and the Lord's told me why. Okay, but this night I was feeling this overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit, Tuesday night. And, and it got to the point where it was, it, I, I was shaking so bad, <laughs> just, it was bad. I'm like this, I, I can't pick anything up, I can't do anything. And, and, I, and I just prayed, and I, I'm like, Lord, which, which he's told me is, is a sign from my perspective. It's a sign of him coming, okay, of the Holy Spirit falling. So, so I'm like, Lord, I, I'm getting so excited. I'm like, Lord, is this it? Are you coming tonight? And he said, no, he can't. He told me some other things that, that I, I'm not at liberty to say. But the one thing, he told me actually two things that I want you to recognize. He told me, one, we are at, us here, this church, this group, this body of believers, we are at the same place where the disciples were, that 120, after Jesus ascended into heaven, but before the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost. Now, I'm not talking about time frame, because for them it was ten days. Okay, for them it was 10 days. I'm not saying he's saying to us 10 days from now. Because the second thing he told me quantified that. He said, I need you to be hungry. He said, I need you to be expectant. He said, I need, and, and, and not just me, I can do it all day. I've been doing it for a long time. We're coming up on three-year anniversary of the first time that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It was August 7th of 2014 when he first spoke through Anissa for the first time, but then that night was the first time I had heard his voice audibly. Tomorrow's three years. It's kind of cool. Three years training. Disciples, three years training. Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe there's some correlations there. But he said, you've got to be expectant. And not just me, but everybody. See, those 120 people, they went up to the room, and they were in the upper room, and they were just waiting and expecting. They were worshiping. Let, let's, let's read the beginning here of Acts chapter 2. 
But I, I want you to understand, it's so important for you to understand their mind frame. See, their mind frame wasn't, well, we've got this to do because I, I've got this you know, over here that, that I've got to do in two weeks, so I've got the prep to do for that, and blah, 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 blah. These are all people, these are not single people. This is not a single college student that didn't have a bill in the world, or a care in the world. These were families, right? Many of the apostles, probably most of the apostles, had families. Peter had a family. How do we know that? Because his mother-in-law was healed. Pretty much have to have a wife to have a mother-in-law, right? <laughs> and then Paul talked about when he, when he was talking to the Corinthians, he said, he said, it is good. He said, I have the right to take family with me, to take a wife with me on my journeys as the other apostles do. Now, then he also goes into the fact that he was single. Okay, they had tie-downs. Don't look at them as so different than you are. Don't look at them as so, I, I can't look at them as so different than me. They laid everything down. Three years ago, I laid everything down. Alexis and I laid everything down. We closed our businesses. We did everything to just be, okay, Lord, here you go. We trust you. And for three years, he has given us everything that we need. And what he's built here is a family that I am more grateful for than you will ever know. You are my family. I'm so grateful for what God is doing in your hearts. I think about it all the time. I pray for you guys all the time as we pray for each other. But the one thing heavy on my heart is, are you expectant? Are you ready? Do you think about that right now, this morning? Are you thinking about that or are you thinking about what you need to do this afternoon? Or you're thinking that I got this bill due tomorrow. Or I've got a tough day at work tomorrow. I hope he doesn't go long. <laughs> Sorry. What are you thinking about? See, when they were in the upper room, they were expectant. They wanted the Holy Spirit, and they didn't even know what was coming. See, we, we at least have an idea. Right? We can look back on Scripture, and we can see what happened, and we're, we're going to at some point. Okay, we can do that. They didn't even know what that meant. They didn't know what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can look back at examples of what that means, at least, at least to a degree. We can't look and see what it means for more to be done than when Jesus was here, because it's never been done. But they were expectant. He wants us to be expectant. Let's read verse 1, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven. Now, by the way, they've been up there for 10 days. And they're just worshiping. They're praising. They're expecting. They're waiting. They just know he's coming. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it... It filled the entire house. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean it was a mighty rushing wind. It was like a mighty rushing wind. I don't think it was anything that they could describe. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. This had to be a pretty big place. There were 120 of them. Okay, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So again, from the perspective of the disciple, you're here, you hear this, this amazing rumbling, if you will. You hear something going on that is, is outside of yourself, 
everybody's hearing it, they're experiencing it, perhaps they're feeling it. And then they start to see above each one of them something that looks like fire. Didn't say it was fire. Said it, that's the best way they could describe it. It looks like fire, like these tongues of fire appeared over each one and then rested upon each one of them. Immediately, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what God is saying here through Luke, he's, he's explaining the scene. Okay, But just like every scene, it's not just what God does to the people that he wants to use, but it's what he does through those people after that. And that's where we go to verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, so we know it was a sound, they, the multitude came together. You know, if, if you hear, if you hear a, a, just a, an odd sound, let's, let's say if we heard an explosion that we could hear outside, what are we going to do? Yeah, we're going to run out and see what in the world was that? Is everybody okay? I can imagine these people rushing in. What happened? What happened? Everything okay? <laughs> you can imagine the scene, right? Okay, we're going to get into this. At the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and astonished, saying, are these not those who are speaking? Are they not Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Perga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans. I always thought that was a bad word. You Cretan? Oh, well, whatever. Arabians. We hear, hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. I want you to recognize something here. It doesn't say what they were saying. It doesn't say that they were all saying the same thing. It simply says that they were saying whatever the Holy Spirit was saying through them. They just opened their mouth and gave God their yes. See, that's what, that's what tongues is. Tongues is not something... And, and please forgive me for those watching online... Maybe that you've talked to me about this. Tongues is not something you practice. None of the gifts are. You don't practice the gifts. The gifts are exactly that. It's a gift. It's something we simply receive and let the Holy Spirit do through us. All those disciples did that morning, and we know it was... Before 9 o'clock, you'll see next week, it's 9 o'clock, or we might even get to it this week, what Peter says. Okay, so, so we just know that they gave their yes. And the Holy Spirit began speaking through them in tongues that they did not know, but the receivers of it did. And it wasn't just one, it was many. It was all these ones listed that came from all over for this festival, and then they hear this, this huge, loud noise, and they rush in to see what's going on, and all of a sudden, in a place where they would not expect to hear their language, they're hearing their language. And what's it saying? It's talking about the mighty works of God. Right? It's talking about how awesome Jesus Christ is. How do we know that? Because one of the Holy Spirit's jobs, he will, the only thing he will ever give credit to is the name of Jesus Christ. That's one of his, that's, that's a marking point for who he is. He will always lift the name of Jesus Christ. So you know what's being said here is about what Jesus Christ, 
just months before his life leading up to his death on the cross, burial, resurrection, and ascension. It'd be cool if the Holy Spirit would have wrote down what some things he said. But bottom line, he was the one speaking through them. By the way, Romans 12 talks, or Romans 8, I'm sorry, talks about the groanings of the Holy Spirit. When we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit steps in and through us will groan in ways to pray before the Father, ways we don't know how to pray. Okay, this is, in my opinion, tongues. Why? Why do I say that? Why, why can't the Holy Spirit just, just go to Lord? I mean, he's up in heaven anyways. He's everywhere, right? So he could just kind of lean over to God and tell him about us. Hey, they need to pray for this. Here you go. <laughs> That's so not true. Okay, the Holy Spirit was sent as a vehicle to be used through mankind. That's what we're looking at in, in, the, in, in the falling right here of the Holy Spirit. See, you go into a place where man will not partner with the Holy Spirit, and what happens? It holds back the Holy Spirit. Okay, see, the Holy Spirit, as I said before, is a gentleman. He's not going to step in and take over and do things without you saying yes. So this hit me like a ton of bricks. I want the Holy Spirit praying for me. I want him uttering and groaning things for me that I don't know how to utter or groan. So that's why Paul said, I wish every one of you would speak in tongues. It's available to every one of you. However, and please understand this, it is not a sign of your salvation. It is not even a sign of your close walk with God. Okay? Tongues is a sign of your yes to give the Lord a yes in doing that gifting in you. What's going on here is these 120 people said yes. Whatever you want. They didn't know what tongues was. They didn't know that was going to happen. They just wanted whatever the Holy Spirit had for them. Are we there right now? Or do we put parameters on, we, on what we want him to do? Well, Lord, yeah, do, do everything except... I, forgive me. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a story about Alexis because she and she shared it with you before. But but with her, you know, Lord, give me the gifts. Yes, I I give you my yes, except for tongues, <laughs> right? Except for tongues because that's the one that will go straight in the face of my family, straight in the face of how I was raised, straight in the face of our friends. Please, Lord, give me healing. Healing would be an awesome one. Give me gifts of healing. That'd be go or prophecy. That'd be cool too. You know, I'm I'm comfortable with that one. I'm comfortable, kind of comfortable with seeing. How about seeing God? But not tongues. What did God do? <laughs> because she gave him her yes. Alexis, the Holy Spirit birthed tongues in her. That was extraordinary. You know, the, the Lord told me that, that her gifting would help mine. And what, it, what it's done is it's shown me a purity of gift. Because one, she never, I know her better than I know anybody. And it never came out of manufacturing. It never came out of practicing. It came out of desire for the Holy Spirit to permeate her life. And what was produced out of it was amazing. I mean, here she's speaking this language that it's so obviously God. You know, it's like if you knew another language and you're talking another language. That's how it is. When I, when I, when I walk by and I hear her in, her in her quiet time, which sometimes isn't so quiet, <laughs> which is awesome, by the way. I don't say, don't be quiet now for me. But 
She's just letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants in her life. Is that where we're at? See, you can't give him parameters. You can't give him parameters. Verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Okay, those were the people that were open to what the Holy Spirit was doing. You ever meet people that, that there's some that have this open attitude and then some that have this, this closed attitude and, and really an attitude of mocking? Okay, that's the second part here. But others, mocking said, they're filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. Look at these people, they're whacked. Okay, I, I want something to be clear. And all the times that, if, if you ever do a church history study, especially, especially a revival study, and I mean going all the way back, certainly back to Pentecost, but even going all the way back in American history, if you do a study on that, what you see is the same everywhere it goes, is that things do not look like they expected them to look. For those of you who know about Toronto, okay, it's called the Toronto Blessing. There's so much negative about it. Okay, when, when, I, when I first, when the Holy Spirit was first opening my eyes to things uh, three years ago, I, I, I Googled it, and I, I almost don't want to suggest for you to Google it, because there's so much negative about this. But I could tell you I've been there. Lord told me to go there. I flew there a year and a half ago. And I spent an afternoon in this church that this happened 25 years ago. But the Lord had me walk through this church. I had a 12 hour layover. And coming back from Nigeria, and I spent the afternoon there. Nobody was there, they let me in. And I walked around, the Holy Spirit told me to walk around the sanctuary three times. This was the very sanctuary that it all happened in. Uh, well, uh, no, I shouldn't say that. The first six months, they were in this tiny little place. And, and then it literally could not fit anybody. <laughs> so they moved to where they are now. And that's not even that big. If, if you watch the, the YouTube videos of stuff going on there, it actually looks a lot bigger on, on YouTube. I'm going to say it probably doesn't hold more than 1,000 people, maybe. Probably not even that. Maybe seven or 800. But I walked around this place three times. Because what the Lord was just... I had done so much research on what had happened there. And, and I listened, you know, I, I read all this stuff from the naysayers, too. But the beauty of it is fruit is an example of God's moving. And if I, I'm not going to take the time, but if I were to take the time to share with you all of the global ministries that were birthed from there or charged from there, that, that literally say that is where God, God got a hold of them, you'd be amazed. We, we were sent from Life Center. Right, Charles Stock. He and his wife were charged there. That that's when God got a hold of their hearts. Was it Toronto? About six months into it, Heidi Baker, same thing. Heidi Baker, she had been a, a, a missionary, I think, for a couple of years and was ready to quit. She wanted to quit. If any of you know Heidi Baker and have heard the tales of, of what God is doing, doing in Mozambique over the last 20 years, it's extraordinary. And to think she almost quit. Her and her husband almost quit. But she went to Toronto and she got laid out. I mean, her life changed. And, and that's really an amazing story. Bill Johnson, most of you know Bill Johnson, same thing. Jayon, same thing. All these global ministries that have, have reached all over their fruit of what the Holy Spirit did there. But yet, watch these YouTube videos. And you're, 
you got to be careful of your reaction because some of the reactions will be, they look like they're drunk. Now, I'm not saying that everything was the Holy Spirit either. But look at the fruit. So when you go into waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall, do you put parameters on what that's going to look like? See, they said, and we're going to get into the response next week, but they, they said, these people are drunk. Okay, what would, I want to expand this for a second. If somebody comes in and they're speaking French, I don't know French, okay, but they're speaking French, I am not going to immediately say, they are drunk. They're not speaking English, they're drunk. Clearly they're drunk. You're drunk if you speak anything but English. That's stupid, right? There was more going on here than that. Who is to say how a physical body reacts when that physical body is enveloped by the Holy Spirit? Who's to say? I can't. It's never happened to me. Not yet. I expect it, Lord. Do it now. But what happens when that happens? We we can't know, and we can't know from one person to the next. Why this person all of a sudden is laid out on the ground, and they're there for two days. Hello. See, all this happened in Toronto. All this happened at Azusa back in, I think that was 1904. All this has happened in these revivals throughout history. And it happened right here where the church literally got its beginning. There were things going on that people looked at and said, that's not normal. They're drunk. Okay, but we see here, first of all, correct, it wasn't normal. Because it's not normal that the Holy Spirit would come and, and envelop a person. But that was the result. That was the overwhelming result of the Holy Spirit just just coming so hard into not only a single life, but an entire group of people. Why would we expect any different? Why would we label that as disorderly? This is one thing the Lord has taught me that I'm very careful of. I'm very careful of labeling something to be not of God. And remember my history. Remember my background. I come, I come from a cessationist background. So for me to do that, that's a big step. You know, for, for me to, for me to go from, you know, listening to John MacArthur to now Smith Wigglesworth. (laughs) If any of you have ever heard Smith Wigglesworth preach, okay, he, he is, he is the, considered the, the father of modern-day Pentecostalism or, or charismaticism, whatever you want to call it. But he spoke with power. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you watch him speak, he looks drunk. He does. He looks drunk. He looks, he, he, he looks like he, he could be, literally is barely standing there. It's like people would always kind of hang near him just in case. You know, Cindy Jacob, I, I got the chance to, to meet her and, and talk with her a bit. And, and I've seen her a couple times live where they always have somebody within about five feet of her. Because when it happens, it happens. And I've seen it happen with her where, where the Holy Spirit would fill her to give prophecy and And it was all she could do to stay standing. People would come alongside her and hold her up. See, from a naysayer's point of view, it's easy to say, that's fake. That's fake, and that is just to issue emotion. Because emotion is the real fuel to get people to put money in the church's bank. That's so not true. It's so sad. And like, like Peter's response, we'll get into it next week, but he, he was like, seriously? 
It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Who would be drunk by 9 o'clock? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, by the way, I love his response there. It wasn't, we're Christians, we would not be drunk. <laughs> now, by the way, it is wrong to be drunk. Please don't take that one and run. <laughs> My point was, <laughs> Peter was sarcastic. He's like, it's 9 in the morning. Even the world wouldn't be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. What you're seeing is not a result of, of something put into somebody's body that is not supernatural. So why do we think it'll be any different for us? See, I, I've come to embrace the fact that he's just going to do what he wants to do. And, and because I'm human, I have human bone and tissue, I, I, can't, I can't fully know how my body's going to react to that. Except that I know it's going to be awesome. If you ever get an opportunity to talk to people that this has happened to, talk to them. Talk to Wendy. It's happened to Wendy. Where Wendy was laid out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure there are others here that have had that happen. I know it happened to Anissa. I'd say talk to Anissa, but she doesn't like you talking to her. (laughs) I might just give her a microphone one day have her tell you the story, but I was standing right next to her when it happened to her, down in North Carolina. And it was powerful. It was the Holy Spirit. How do we know how we're going to react when the Holy Spirit invades every part of our life? Now what we're going to get into next week is the fact that you want it. You want it. Why? Because we're going to see a change in the disciples. We're going to see a change in that group of people. We're going to see a change immediately in Peter that's extraordinary. See, you will see a change in your life. I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit falls on this church, these days are done. When he takes control, things will become different and new in an awesome, awesome way. You know, I, I, I've asked him so many times, God, what's that going to look like for us? You know, what, what's that going to look like? If, if you're doing a new thing, it won't be exactly like this. You know, because I used to think, well, maybe, maybe we'll hear this rushing wind. Right? And it won't be outside, it'll be in here. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe something else. I've asked him, what, what will it be? And, and he won't answer me, of course. <coughs> Except for one thing. He told me it's going to have fire. And not metaphoric fire. Okay? It's going to be fire fire. Now, don't worry, the house won't burn down, right? But when he said that, it reminded me of something that happened, I think, two firestorms ago. ago. As a matter of fact, I, I think he's one of the ones that watches these. But hello, Brendan. Brandon. Brandon, Brendan. B. We'll call him B. <laughs> but two years ago, we were at, at uh, I think it was firestorm or a year and a half ago, whenever it was. No, I think two years ago. And we had 14 of us there, and we were up at Life Center, and we took a whole row. And we're worshiping, and and I think this was the, might have been the second session or something like that. We're worshiping, and and I had this guy who, I mean, looks like a bouncer. He looks like he would eat your children, you know, just (laughs) comes up to me. And he just taps me on the shoulder, and, and he goes, he goes, I, I, I don't, this just could sound really weird, but I needed to come and make sure everything was okay. I said, yeah. He said, are, are all these people with you? I said, yeah, this is our church. We have 14 of us here. He said, he said I don't know how to tell you this. He said, but y'all are on fire. I said, yeah, we love the Lord. He said, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. He said, you're on fire. I said, what do you mean? And he said, I was standing in the back, 
and I saw flames. That's why I came forward, because I thought something was wrong. And he said, when I came forward, I see your whole row, and you're all on fire. You ever, you ever see one of those stuntmen? Because Hollywood has a fire that doesn't burn you. Okay, you, you see them all in flames, and they say, oh, whatever. Okay, that's what he saw. That's, that's what he described to me. And I thought, that is so cool. I'm a pyromaniac anyways. I love fire. And to not get burned by it, how cool is that? I mean, just ask Corey. He's like, you cannot touch the fire at creation. Brian said the same thing. I am Nick Greg. It's not allowed to start the fire. Because they go and they get the little wood shavings and they get the paper and, you know, burn it up, get it going. And I'm like, gallon of gas. <laughs> no, Greg, you cannot start the fire this year. You are not allowed to. <laughs> exactly. No, I step back. I shoot the, shoot the flame. But that's the only thing he told me, is that there will be fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit will, will just engulf us. And I believe that's part of what draws people. Part of what drew, there was something that drew 3,000 people to them when it happened. There will be something that draws outside people to us when it happens. See, the world is going to be drawn by this. Do you want that? Are you hungry for that? See, if you're hungry for that, nothing, nothing will get in the way. Doesn't mean you don't plan for your life. Please understand this. It doesn't mean that you don't, I'll never have to pay another bill in my life. It doesn't mean that the, the aspects of your life and planning of your life changes. Because God's got you where you are for a reason. That's how he infiltrates the world. But it also does not hold the fact that now you cannot be expectant. Right? They gave up everything. They walked away from everything. All that they were doing. They, they had families. They had relationships. I, I would like to think they were probably in the 120 people that were up there. That they were right alongside with them. Now keep in mind, with the disciples, it was a three-year gig. The training was a three-year thing, and then they were placed in church expansion mode, <laughs> right? Okay, they had families, they had bills, they had, well, maybe they didn't have loans back then, I don't know, but, but they had responsibilities. But see, there's a trust that you take on when you give God your yes. And I, I don't care if you are older or if you're, in high school or anything, it doesn't matter. You have responsibilities that you can trust with the Lord. He knows your heart. If your heart is control, it limits what he can do. If your heart is, I'm all in, then it is unlimited what he can do. And what he wants here for this church, for us, is to just say yes. Where are you at this morning? Are you giving him your yes no matter what? Or are you giving him a yes but? A yes but. I have just a few parameters. See, that's what I did for years. I, I gave him my yes but. I, I need my business. I need to be able to have control over my finances. That was my thing. That may not be everybody's thing. For me, I needed to control my finances. So are you giving him your yes, period, or your yes, but? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we thank you and praise you, God. And I am so in awe of what you do in our lives to prepare us for your will. Lord, you've shown many of us, and you've certainly shown me what, what you want to do.
And Father, we just stand expectant. We stand expectant. And I, I, I also know that you want to do it with everyone. So, so when I come on a Sunday morning, or I come on a Tuesday night, I come expectantly. But in reality, Father, I wake up every morning expectantly. Father, I pray for everybody here. I pray that you look at their hearts, Father, as they pray to you right now. Reveal any of the yes buts. Reveal what part we're not giving up to you. What part we're holding back for our own control for whatever reason, probably some sort of fear. Reveal that to us, Father, right now. And and I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit do the work of convicting our hearts where there's something that we're saying yes but to. I want you to keep your eyes closed and heads bowed. It's so easy, even from the outside, to look like you're giving a yes. Yeah, I, I, nobody knows that I'm holding this back, so it doesn't hurt the group. But you know what? You know. God knows. And what he wants and what he desires is for the whole group that he has molded and that he has poured into in preparation be able to move forward in the filling of the Holy Spirit, in the literal falling of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you, if there is anything in your life that you've said yes but to, nobody looking around, but I want you to raise your hand. Be honest. This is not being honest with me. I'm not going to talk to you about it. This is being honest with God. This is publicly showing Him that you recognize what He's teaching you, what He's saying to you. Is there anyone else? Raise your hand if there is anything you're holding up in your life that you're trying to control yourself. Raise it up high. Many hands. Okay, you can lower your hands. Comes down to a choice. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your unknown? He wants you to. There is power that is available in his provision, in his love, in his grace, but it can only come from your yes. The yes without the but. Just a yes. Father, I pray for each of these people. In fact, nobody looking around, I want you to stand. If you raised your hand, and I know that I know it's scary. I know we don't do that around here. But if you raised your hand and there is something you're holding back, I want you to stand up. Trust me, you're not the only one. If there is anything you're holding back, just stand. Father, we come before your throne. We come before your throne and we lay everything on your altar. Lord, I, I pray that you look into the hearts of each of these people and their hunger and their desire to give you everything. 
for you to work in power in their lives. For you to bring them to a place of absolute eagerness in their yes, awaiting each day what you're going to do. Because I declare your truth, what you have told us. I declare you are going to fall on this church. You are going to propel forward your word and your love and your plan. So Father, right now we just give you our yes. Holding nothing back. We give you our yes. We worship you, Lord, and we await with eagerness what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what I was just thinking. Okay. He was just thinking of that. Okay, so thanks. Okay. 